podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sleep Suplex Retweet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Saturday Draft Live. My name is David Hockney, and we are one week out from what was a record-breaking O2 Arena event with WWE money in the bank. You know, some people made pay dirt from our Contributors League. Others made, others went bankrupt. But uh, we'll go into great detail uh, on that on this week's episode of Saturday Draft Live. But it's just me from our main panel of hosts this morning because Jack is away at Transmit in the in Glasgow. Uh, Stephen's preoccupied with uh, becoming a parent, and Ryan is just being Ryan, I guess. So we've had to dig deep and go back to our roots. Uh, so my guest today is one of the OG hosts of Saturday Draft Live. It is number forty-four himself, Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you? Oh, the bitch is back. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Oh, I'm here doing just what I always do, what I've done for the second time this week. I'm being here, I'm stepping up when no one else will. I'm the guy that they call when there's no one else, literally no one else. I swore to myself that I would not come back here when I when I walked away from Saturday Night Live, but I'm glad I did because this fucking show needs a, needs a shot in the arm, so it does. Because since I left, since I made the decision to walk away... East meets West ratings for that are going through the roof. Ivory Cunt ES is our champion. Once again, I'm feeling more like myself. I'm actually climbing the table properly in the draft itself. So I am actually doing great since the draft since I left East. So I'm actually doing very really good since I left Saturday Draft Live. And, you know, people who are listening to this show, you know what it's been like since I left. You know, replacing me with Steven, you know, having weeks where Ryan Douglas is the main host, you know that that's not the same. You know, there's so many ways I could compare the show, and I'll list them for you. You tell me when I'm telling lies. This show without me is like the last season of that 70s show when Eric Foreman left. This show without me is like when Steve Carell left the office. I mean, this show was like Marvel. I'm not saying Marvel crumbled when Iron Man died. I'm just saying that it, the MCU is definitely taking a dip without the charisma of Robert Downey Jr. This show is like most of Power Rangers Turbo after the main cast that like we all knew and loved left. It was absolutely abysmal until Andros came in, oh. all up in his spaceship and gave us the best season of Power Rangers ever. That's right. I'm the Andros of ESSR. I've come back to save Saturday Night Live for this one week. Let's fucking rock it. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, God. I never thought I'd hear a Power Rangers in space reference on Saturday Night Live, but... You know I mean, what, Scott? Let's let's set controls to outer space and let's blast off with our Money in the Bank review of Saturday Draft Live and we'll go straight into the top three. Uh, starting off, uh, third place uh, overall of the main scorers. We have a four-way tie uh, because we had both Forbidden... No, sorry, not Forbidden Door. Uh, we had Money in the Bank uh, this past week and uh, a whole load of AEW programming in between. So we have Seth Rollins, Damian Priest... MJF and Adam Cole, baby, all on six points. I mean, where do we start? I mean, Seth Rollins obviously retaining the World Heavyweight Championship against uh, Finn Balor and then gets a win over Dom Dom on on Raw as well. Priest is now uh, 
send your dinero in el banco and MJF and Adam Cole are being this fun new tag team on, on AEW. Yeah, it's been interesting week to have MJF because he's starting to get a lot more active on TV. Like also last week, he would have had title points for the retention at Forbindor, but then he wrestled twice on Collision this past Saturday, where he was he squashed a jobber, then defended the title successfully, and now he's becoming more of a feature with, with Adam Cole. So I think you know, as much as MJF's character he doesn't like to wrestle, I think he's starting to during this time become more, more valuable as a pick. I mean, Seth Rollins and Damian Priest, we go without saying in terms of like what Seth Rollins doing, though he'll be a consistent on TV and he's like getting back to those those levels he used to be in the start of the draft, you know, as the world heavyweight champion defending the title. Priest, I mean, with a hell of a boost to have Damian Priest on your team because Judgment Day are also a main fixture of Raw. But as we were reminded this week, winning money in your your guy winning money in the bank or your woman winning the miss uh, winning miss money in the bank is like uh, championship points so it's definitely good to have that and Damon Priest will definitely be all over the show teasing that cash in for however long he has that case Oh definitely yeah uh, but our top scorers this week we have a tie between two very opposite ends of the spectrum shall we say like one person in, one person I think we're used to seeing in the top three but the other I definitely did not see that coming so firstly we've got Mammy. Rhea Ripley, who's on nine points, successfully defending the title against Natalia on Raw, probably missed out on some big pay-per-view points as she only was by Dom Dom's side on uh, Money in the Bank. But a title win on Raw, nonetheless, it's a good points getter. Yeah, I mean, I having Rhea Ripley is a great benefit to my team. You know, first pick overall in the draft. Now, wise when I I felt, I know some people aren't really happy with some of these random feuds she's been put in, which she's been squashing the likes of your Natalia's and your Lena Vegas, but points-wise, it's been a great benefit, and yeah, maybe the points would be a bit extra if she did it on Money in the Bank rather than Monday Night Raw, but on the plus side, I did have to watch Natalia on pay-per-view for the second time in a row, so that's that's always good, but, you know, I've he- I heard the rumours that Rhea Ripley will be defending the belt in terms of the current favourite, if you believe the only rumours, is Raquel Rodriguez doing a little bit of history mm-hmm. to their case. And so it'd be a much more even match, but still a good pay-per-view title defense to round out uh, the season for me. Her Rhea's performance this season because you know Raquel doesn't need to be the champion right now. She's not really as over you know as we'd like her to be since she was in NXT. Plus, she's won half the tag team champions. Hi, and if you recall the days from Black and Gold NXT, it was Raquel that sent Rhea up to the main roster. It was she was her last match on. NXT, it was a last woman standing match and she ended up, she got up bombing her through the stage. So there's definitely a, a good bit of history there and it's a chance for Ripley to get some revenge uh, for that for that loss. But Rhea Ripley overall, 62 points. Uh, the number one overall draft pick. She's third in the top 10 of the season overall, just two points behind Orange Cassidy, who is, as we've said in past shows, has been a, a big, big gain for the GOAT David Campbell's team. But like I said, we had a a joint top scorer in the top three this week, and the tag team turmoil format has actually brought some uh, some much needed points uh, because also on nine points this week is none other than Chelsea Green, one half of the uh, the complaints committee or the the Karen committee with with Sonia Deville, who Sonia is undrafted, so she would have got just the same amount of points, but. 
Chelsea Green is was drafted in uh, from the transfer window and is now part of Ryan Dalglish's team. She's currently sitting on 16 points overall as a result of this uh, of this win. I mean, Scott, did you see this coming? You know, Chelsea Green being in the top three of a Saturday Draft Live show. Not really, no, because you know she's entertaining as a character, but in terms of the draft, she's a fucking nightmare. As Grammy Robbie found out shortly after she made a return to WWE, I believe it was him who drafted her first win upon her return. A because as good as her character is, it often results in her getting beat up in the ring and not getting any many points. So she's really a really detriment to you in a draft like this, mostly. So I think this is a short term, you know, boost for Ryan. Because you never underestimate the power of a gauntlet match. Because Triple H seems to really love his gauntlet matches. Only a few weeks before that, we had another gauntlet style match when we had that one, the pretty deadly one on SmackDown a few weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. well, wins there, especially if you can get a team that runs the gauntlet like uh, like Sonya and that did, which is rare to see in a heel team. But uh, you know, a short term game here because I believe uh, a loss in a title match, whether it's on Raw or even at SummerSlam, to why they wait that long, uh, is coming their way, so they're not going to win the Titan Tales, unfortunately. If I can go back to Orange Cassidy being just a few points higher than Rhea, I would not want anyone to see this as too much of a indicator of where Orange Cassidy should be picked next season, because next season you should remember will include Wembley. And I'm starting to get the feeling that if he's, didn't hold, if, he, if he's held it past Forbidden Door, then I believe that there may be an idea to have the belt taken off him at Wembley, because he won it on a big international show, they might want to take mm-hmm. it off of a big international show. So you don't know why to start your season with, with Orange Cassidy with a big loss. So just be wary if you decide to choose him next season. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll keep note of Orange Cassidy for uh, towards the end of the season. We'll have a review of who to avoid and who to pick for, for next season. But we'll go straight into the top 10. Uh, not, not even top 10, it's top 14, shall I say. It's force of habit, you know, saying top 10. Uh, but yeah, still at the bottom and still to reach triple digits who had a... Howler of a week this week, only scoring six points. It's Ross McLeod with homosexual chocolate on 84. And then quite a considerable bit above him is Andy Mitchell with I Hope I Don't Blow Like Shane McMahon's Knee. He's on 116 and a half. Then we have Grant McRobbie with the Great Ocana Appreciation Society, 123. Uh, then we go to Tom Brock, the, tu- the Dutch government officials, 157. He's had a howler of a week as well, only getting 11 points overall. I mean, compared to what some of the other competitors are getting it's it's pretty poor then we have jack graham the the transmit festival goer with the three-time kings of drafting 160 just three points ahead of tom and then ninth place is me with the west end country club 166 and a half points then we have ross brady the big ross man 169 points nice the big scorer of this week as well getting 50 points uh in total so huge week for him coming out of uh of money in the bank and just one point ahead of him is Ryan Dalgleish, the Lean Mean Tangerine Machine, 170 points. Gary Kernahan, Team Viscera, 179 points. The Team Goat, uh, 11 points ahead of Gary uh, on 190. One point ahead of him is somebody who's started to climb their way back up the table, Stephen Wilson, with Ross Wilson is underappreciated, probably helped by uh, his captain, EO Sky, winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then... It's you, Scott, third place. You've made quite a leap up the table in the last few weeks with Dorothy Mantooth as a Saint on 194. But then there's a bit of a gap. Um, only two competitors have scored over 200 points uh, in the season so far. We have Matt Smith in the Booty Woes on 223 
And still top of the table is Chris Anthony Lopez with Heartbreaker FC on 242. It doesn't, Scott, I don't think the top two is going to change anytime soon, but I think it's safe to say you've made quite a bit of a leap up the table given you started fairly down low uh, to begin with. Yes, uh, my climb up the table the last few weeks, you know, every day seems to swap between me, me being in third, David Campbell being in fourth, or me being in fourth, David Campbell being in third. I keep going back and forth because we all know that it's going to be between Lopez and Swift. Lopez needs to just cling on to this lead while he can because, you know, Matt Swift, Matt is trying to get this groundswell of support, you know. Chris Lopez standing at the top with the briefcase like Damien Priest while David Campbell and all that are cheering for this. Uh, draft LA night, yeah, and that yeah. Not, although I am still Team Lopez all the way here, so mm-hmm. I'm just trying to earn the number three spot here to secure that from Stephen and David Campbell, especially because you know, it would be the highest I've finished in quite a while. So I'm trying to secure that spot right now. You know, my claim here has not been talked about enough in our draft chat as I would have liked. And I am disgusted, by the way, that it's taken this long for you to invite me or any guest on the show this season. You guys start this too far. You're in love with the sound of your own bloody voices. And I don't I didn't have to be asked on. Oh, I had to ask, I had to volunteer to be on because no one else would have done this show. We would have had you just reading out the scores like the fucking that monotone guy on Sky Sports. I came back to you as a courtesy and you I had to ask to be asked on. Why was I never invited on before? Let's, uh, well, you, you, you're here now, so I suppose that's that's what matters most. But, um, Scott, if I was to ask you one more favour, um, would you mind uh, reading out the Listener's League standings along with the Listener's League Cup? Indeed I would not, Dave. I would rather do a million other things than do that. All right. I guess I'll just do it myself then. All right, so... Top five of the Listeners League this week, we have Alan Skinner, three heads are better than one, 252.5 points, just one and a half points above former winner Dan Axel Jameson, uh, who's dropped out of the top five this week. So still still very tight uh, with the, the scoring uh, amongst the positions three to six at this point. Then joint third, we have Mike Nunn and Jonathan Napier, sports entertainers and flat back key bumps respectively, both on 255 points. We have Elliot Cantor with... Uh, Cost of Fortune on 266 points. He's moved up to second place uh, after scoring 52 points this week uh, overall. And But once again, top of the table, we have Gary Morris with Ria the People, 272 and a half points. Big week for Elliot Cantor, though, I must admit, because he has both MGF and Adam Cole in his team. And with those two operating as a tag team, you know, he's going to get points for both of them in singles and tag team actions. So that's that could potentially be huge for him. But it's also predominantly assisted with the with his captain, Rhea Ripley, uh, sitting well at the top of the, the uh, of the pecking order here. But in the Listeners League Cup, we've uh, we finished the last round of 16 and we're now onto the quarterfinals. So basically, this is going to be the scoring of... Uh, this has been the scoring from 3rd of July up until the 14th, which is next Friday. And following that, we'll come down to the semi-finals and then the finals, which will be decided at SummerSlam. So, but the quarterfinals uh, are as they stand. We have Mike Angus defeating Michael Clottier, 61 to 55 and a half. Um, he, he advances there. We have Robert fucking Shaw beating Jonathan Napier, 69-59. to 59. Nice. Uh, in a, again, another pretty hotly contested contest, but Robert Shaw, you know, the first winner of the Listeners League 
uh, of the, the first ever winner of the Listeners League. He's made it to the uh, to the quarterfinals. Uh, we have Dan Axel Jameson, another former winner, uh, absolutely squashing Lee McAteer, 71-33, as did uh, current Listeners League standing leader Gary Morris, squashing Ross Henderson, 81.5 to 35 points. And then on the other side, we have Elliot Cantor, who beat Colin Blackburn, 70 to 24. We have Simon beating Anthony Fitzpatrick, 68, 78 to 68.5. Mike Nunn defeats Adam Callier, former winner of the Listeners League, 64 to 49. And then lastly, we have Paddy defeating John Sly, uh, 59 to 49. So the current quarter league standings are Mike Angus versus Robert Shaw. We have Dan Axel Jameson versus Gary Morris, Elliot Cantor versus Simon, and Mike Nunn versus Paddy. And at the minute, uh, Mike Angus is leading Robert by five points. Gary is leading Dan Axel by just two points. It's 19 to 17 in Gary's favour. We have a, sli- a slightly bigger gap between Elliot and Simon, 37 to 23 in Elliot's favour. And then we have Paddy absolutely squashing Mike Nunn at the minute, 30 to 13. Scott, do you have any... Uh, any favourites of who you think could end up winning the Listeners League Cup? And if so, do you think it could be a former winner or will it be somebody somebody fresh? It will definitely be someone among the names you read out. That, that's my opinion. Uh, I've missed your in-depth analysis. You know, you're starting to... I uh, think you've been taking pages out of, uh, of Ryan Douglas's book there. What you but, dare. Uh, you dare. <laughs> could Elton John rip off who... Lannish fucking outfits in every fucking draft showing he's like a five cents even further. When you think he can't get any lower he scrapes to the fucking barrel through the woods every fucking selection show. Now, <laughs> listen to me. You invite me on as a guest, not a co-host. You invite me on as a guest. You do not make me talk about these fucking listeners. Like, I thought that's one of the favourite things about not being on the show anymore. Uh, yeah, I suppose you make a fair point there, but as you rightly mentioned, you are a guest on this week's show, and I'd like to talk to you about your team. So, you drafted first as well, uh, and the first, your first overall selection was Rhea Ripley, someone who's been selected as a number one round pick many times in the past. But the rest of your team, you have Chris Jericho, Malachi Black, Adam Page, Cora Jade, and your tag team of Gallus. Now. Bear in mind, some of these were updated after the initial, after the uh, the transfer window. But talk me through what your thinking was uh, with your initial selections. Because uh, I remember you picked out Candice LeRae as your last round pick, and you almost and you got rid of her just as just as quickly. But I want to pick your brains on what your initial team thought selection was, given that you drafted first. We have the snake draft going on, so you had a couple of opportunities to have back-to-back picks uh, on a number of occasions? Well, Dave, I was happy to be first initially, but then I remembered how many people we've got in this fucking draft this season. <laughs> snake draft uh, really... 14 people, me. yeah. Yeah, like, that's draft, that snake draft really screwed me because those first few rounds, I'm seeing a bunch of my selections. I always have a list, men's, women's tag teams, all that. And I'm taking people off like, nope, can't get them, can't get them, can't get them, can't get them. But I knew when I had the first pick overall, I need to make it good. Because last time I was first, I picked a tag team of Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman first, and I'd rather not talk about how that went. So I had to make it good. And so coming out of WrestleMania, I went, got to go Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is always a valuable pick in the first round in the last couple of seasons. As the newly then SmackDown, which I'd be now the Women's World Heavyweight Champion, I thought, there you go. 
she's not going to lose that belt until at least after SummerSlam. I had confidence in that, and so far that's been right. Plus, she's all over the place with Dominic and the rest of the Judgment Day. Plus, and so the captaincy on, I've never felt the need to change that either. Coming back, I thought I need to take a tag team while the other tag teams are, are being picked off as the other ones I wanted. And I thought, well, me and Ross picked New Day in the tag season, and then they immediately lost to Gallus. So let's see if Gallus can do any better. And I picked Gallus, and uh, had they lost already, I would have already transferred them out. But they seem to be on a strong run recently of retaining those tag team titles. You know, they did so at Battleground. They did so a couple of days on TV most recently at that uh, NXT Gold Rush Night 2. So they got, I'm sure they'll have the defence of the Great American Bash, hoping that goes well. Also, because, you know, Shawn Michaels and Triple H seem to love the Gallus boys. Uh, so mm-hmm. keeping them strong at NXT. Then I also had Powerhouse Hobbs, who... Oh, Will Hobbs. Oh, you had a howler that first week. Oh, the TNT title, of course, is real. David Campbell was right about that one. And honestly, dude, I needed someone with a title. I originally wanted Jay Cargill, but hindsight being what it is, I don't know if that would have worked out in the long term either, given that she lost a villa dollar nothing and then fucked off. So I had to... I think I someone so I put through the champion thing and there was a chance I had to transfer him and I immediately regretted that. Like it's it's not even I know you mean how bad he did. It served me on Wall Hobbs as a person, as a wrestler. I'm just I was watching Collision the other week and he came out for for a match with Dustin Rhodes and like I've never rooted for Dustin Rhodes more in my life, even though he's no right winning this match. I've never rooted for that man more in my life. So mm-hmm. then, I did not mean to have as many AEW picks as I did, but then I realised, well, we've got double or nothing for Ben Door, and then there was all the talk about a new show. And Malachi did appear once or twice on that show, and appears because apparently he's requested to just be exclusive to Collision. So I don't think he was doing terribly enough for me to transfer him out. You know, we did get one or two defences of those trios, one on Dynamite, and it was one on pay-per-view when he defeated uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass on double or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. And then we had Hangman Page, who He's actually working out well, and then better than I thought. And I think he would the elite are set to win the big blow off to the feed in a couple of weeks of blood and guts. I don't know what he'll do after that, but the fact that he's won it for Bendor and then he won it blood and guts, I think is big enough in terms of wins for this season. And then I Candice Lurie. Candice Lurie. I, I needed a woman. I forgot about the split. Yeah, we know that, but you needed you needed somebody on your team as well. Yeah, well, yeah, I needed yeah, <laughs> I needed to be a woman because I had, by that point, three men, a male tag team, and one woman when Rhea Ripley, so I had to be a female for the split. And by then, literally anyone else of value, it seemed like, had, had gone. And so I hadn't to, she's kind of, so it's not only disappointing for me, but it was the final pick overall. So what a damp scope to end that fucking draft selection. I would have been better off choosing fucking Maxine Dupree at this stage. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that was my initial thoughts on it. Like my first thoughts, three picks were like, I need to make it good because I'm in the first I'm the first selection here. And then second one like, who fuck last few rounds were more of who the fuck is left? That was my mentality. Mm. Uh, but it's it looks like you benefited a lot from the transfer window, particularly you had one big trade uh with the the current leaderboard, top of the leaderboard, Chris Anthony Lopez, who Traded you, I believe, Chris Jericho and Cora Jade for both Candice LeRae and Kanosuke Takeshita, who you who you actually made a, a transfer for in the uh, 
in the transfer window. So you transferred out Will Hobbs for Takeshita, and then you traded with Chris, uh, him and Candice LeRae for Jericho and Cora Jade. Um, I think from an outsider's perspective, I think you definitely got the better end of that trade. Do you think that was uh, the main reason uh, why you've been able to increase your standings in the table after doing pretty poorly for, for, the, for the first few weeks? I think so. Then Plus, I think we're coming out of Forbidden Door where your high man has been on TV a bit more and getting actual wins. And, you know, Manny's always there to, to help as a captain. But I think the transfer has helped because Jericho got a big win on Dynamite week before for Bindor, but then has unfortunately served some losses since then. And I don't know where he's going from there. Yeah, I knew, I knew I had to get Will Hobbs immediately. I forgot that you could switch out a main male pick for a female or a female for a male just as long as you had the split, the 3 2 split. Mm-hmm. So I kind of regret not swapping uh, Hells for a different female pick because in the, few, in the few or so picks after me, there were a few females who I didn't realize were our available that I could have gotten, which maybe would have helped. But I got to Kesta, and then I, I knew I had to get Kessler out, and I didn't know who else to trade her for, because it seemed like some of the undrafted women were getting taken up, so I didn't know who else was a better alternative. So, like, okay, Thursday comes, that's the day of eternal trading. Who can I who can I convince to take this useless pick off my hands? I tried to make a deal mm-hmm. with David Campbell, but he wanted a certain amount of points swapper for someone else plus he wanted to swap for a male pick I believe which was not helping my split because then I'll need to find another female and I've been back to where I was and then I made a deal with Crystal because I thought he's got quite a lead if he if he lost Cora Jade I, I even said to him like you wouldn't really notice if Cora Jade was gone would you I mean she's not really helping you keep this lead because uh, you know she doesn't score me that many points she was due to have a match on NXT the week after so it would have been better than what Candice was doing. And so to sweet little, he also wanted Takeshita. And I was hesitant to give him Takeshita because I just got him. I was I even actually suggested giving him Hangman exchange for Jericho, which I'm actually happy with, given that you know, they've been on opposite sides recently. And Hangman's been getting the win on the opposite side of Takeshita. So I think Hangman was the better one to keep. And so, yes, we made the, the deal. I was humming and hawing about it. And... We made the, what has been called the deal of the century by people like, you know, me, Crystal Lopez, David Campbell. Uh, yeah, the first ever time two picks have been flipped for another two picks. Because, you know, I don't think having Takeshita and Kenneth Lurioni's team will greatly devalue the team, you know, cause as long as he's got Seth Rollins and people like that as a constant, you know, uh, on his team. Plus, you know, I'm happy that Candice going because she, she and Andy were the first team eliminated from that gauntlet, so it shows that she's not getting any better in terms of a pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it's safe to say you, along with Chris, Matt, and Goat, maybe Gary as well to a push, uh, are operating on juggernaut teams a little bit. You know, you've got that one dominant pick that's basically carrying your entire season. Um but just to, I just want to talk about Gallus as a tag team pick to begin with. You know, they've they've sort of quietly been making points in NXT at the minute as the tag champions, and they're currently your second highest scorers overall. Did you expect Gallus to do so well? I, I didn't see that many other teams for them to to lose to because they they beat the Creeds up in the weekend in that triple threat, and so unless they've lost them back to the Creeds then I didn't see them having a short reign. 
like I said, it seems like you know, Sean and Triple H, you know, the people buying NXT really like Gallus. And so when they beat the Crees early on in the season, I, thought, I knew they were in for a long kind of reign. And so, yeah, I'm actually, I was I had my fingers crossed that they have a performance like this, and it was a risk that kind of paid off. I'm glad it's, uh, it's worked in your favour as well. But currently you're standing third overall in the rankings. Uh, Rhea Ripley's still got about a month's worth of points to, to rack up for you. And AEW, obviously, Blood and Guts is coming up as well. So maybe you can get some points for Hangman Page. But with NXT as well, making waves again, you know, hopefully you can get some points for Gallus and Cora Jade as well. Yeah, because you got the uh, Great American Bash now special mm-hmm. work right at the end of July, I think. And then within a week or so, it's uh, SummerSlam. So, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I doubt. It'll be even beyond the car. I don't know what she's doing right now. It's funny because like I needed somebody who was. I knew she wouldn't be the highest scorer, but I, I need. I knew she'd be better than Cancellary. And mm. but it, I could tell through these texts how emotional, how much her heart it was for Chris Lopez to let her go because he loves courage. Hate this Chris <laughs> Lopez. Uh, not as much as Tiffany Stratton though. Clearly, not at all. But that's going to do it for us here on Saturday Draft Live. I want to thank thank you, Scott, for uh, coming on at rather short notice and in the role of a a guest uh, this time around. Um, I hope you've enjoyed being back in the Saturday Draft Live uh, bubble, even if it was just for a a short time. Yes, when I thought I was out, you dragged me back in. And you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we're now on the road to SummerSlam. It's the last big stretch of the transfer window season. And we'll be analysing very closely who can score as big points on all the events uh, still to come. We've got Blood and Guts, we've got the Great American Bash, and we've got SummerSlam itself. So a lot to cover there. If you've enjoyed listening to Saturday Draft Live, be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, any good podcasting sites, uh, even on Android. We also have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Uh, make sure to sign up to our Facebook page. Uh, we have our, we always have community discussions there. Our big question as well will be going up today as well. Um, the big question from Central this week is, what has been your favourite match of the first six months of 2023? So get involved with the chat there, and then we can read some feedback on the next episode of Central. But all that remains for me to say is uh, thank you once again, Scott McLeod. You're welcome. Uh, I've been David Hockney. This has been Saturday Draft Live, and we will see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.